Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and today we're going to be joined by someone who is very close to us, a friend that we have and have had for a long time, and that is Dr. Tim Stratton. Before I bring him on the screen, I'm going to kick it over to he and Dr. Pritchett so Dr. Pritchett can talk to you about today's topic. Now, I do want to say, as we're going into this, that uh, as I said, when we had IP, Inspiring Philosophy, and by the way, that interview is linked in the description, as well as all of Tim's uh, ministry links and, and academic links. But um, as I said then, I'm ready to be convinced. I'm just waiting to be convinced of the position today as Tim is going to present it. And uh, JP, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and learn how to use my software to kick it over to you. <laughs> Yeah, we're glad to have Tim with us. Tim is um, representing a form of Christian. We know that Christian nationalism is not monolithic, get it? We hear all that. But um, Tim is going to talk to us about what how he sees Christian nationalism. And I'm excited to have Tim on, not because he's going to talk about Christian nationalism, but because he's my favorite country music rock star uh, with Luke Mills Band and the uh, Radio Renegades um, and... I just think that your band is awesome and you do apologetics, which is less cool, but still kind of cool, but not as cool as being a rock star. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. Um, blessed to work with you guys at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. And uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun discussing this uh, controversial topic today. Oh, you know, if you, by the way, I'm just going to say this right from the jump. It, we are all three Trinity professors. And if you're interested in getting your education from home online, uh, watching a lot of great uh, video that's obviously not on YouTube, um, you can do that at Trinity Sem. That's Trinity S-E-M.edu. And I'm proud to say that we have professors who represent varying uh, secondary theological issues. Uh, we agree on obviously the most important uh, uh, issues of faith and belief and practice. But on the secondary issues, uh, we have Tim has debated Chris Date, and Chris Date has debated Layton, and uh, Jonathan and Layton have debated others. Of course, um, I've debated. I haven't debated any of our professors except for Jonathan on tongues maybe yeah. once. I, you know, I uh, want to debate Tim on predestination. So the point is... That's what we need to you do. Know, we need to do that. We need to have that debate. That's right. And sometimes people will come on, Tim and, and Jonathan, they'll come on uh, or they'll say, well, you know, uh, this school, you know, I, everyone's not a Calvinist or everyone's not uh, an Arminian or whatever. And the and a Molinist, uh, you know, we're both Molinist, Tim. And the, the thing about it is um, we love that. We think that's a good yeah. part of the educational process to be exposed to views that you don't agree with and to get hopefully the best from the proponents of those views. And I think we've got that here. And so if you're interested in something like that, we are a non-denominational uh, but conser but uh, theologically conservative uh, evangelical school. We'd love to talk to you about that. All right, now, uh, Jonathan and Tim, why are we talking about this? What do we not understand? What do we miss? What does our audience miss? I leave it to you, gentlemen, mostly Tim. Yeah, Tim, <laughs> please tell us what how, your understanding of Christian nationalism and why we should disagree with uh, Michael Jones and agree with you about that. Well, before uh, I start disagreeing with Michael Jones, uh, I think he and I are pretty much on the same page. As you guys know, just a few weeks ago, 
um, the three of us and Michael, as well as many other friends and uh, colleagues, were down in Texas, and we all spoke at a conference together. And uh, at the after party, Michael and I had some good conversations about this. I think we're basically on the same page. We just disagree on how certain terms should be defined. But I think once we would um, agree on certain definitions, uh, then we would probably, I think we're both agreeing on the same concept, but I don't want to put words into his mouth. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, But first and foremost, uh, let me be clear. Um, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. Uh, I'm a I'm a, primarily a nationalist when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, um, but I'm temporarily trying to make this world a better place while encouraging uh, mass immigration um, from this world into the borders of heaven. That's what we call <laughs> evangelism, right? <laughs> um, so I, I'm a Christian. I'm someone who believes based on evidence that God exists and that he raised Jesus from the dead. I also uh, contend that if one claims to be a Christian— I mean, so if we're going to talk about Christian nationalism, let's define our terms. First, let's let's talk about what it means to be a Christian. Um, you got all sorts of people calling themselves Christians, but I contend that if one claims to be a Christian, then they will strive to follow the teachings, commands, and example that Jesus Christ provided. So simply put, uh, I love Jesus and I try to live according to his teachings. So I think that's, uh, you know, John 8, 31 uh, and 14, 21 through 24. Um, So yeah, I love Jesus and try to live according to his teachings and his commands. So this is what makes me a conservative Christian. And don't confuse a theological conservative with a Republican. Braxton, as uh, as you mentioned, we're theologically conservative. And yes, I am a theological conservative, but that does not mean that we're Republicans. In fact, I'm not a Republican. I left the Republican Party during the George Bush era. Um, I am a proud, free-thinking independent. And so, uh, but, but I am theologically conservative. So I am a conservative Christian, and this means that I strive to conserve the law of Christ and everything that Jesus said taught and exemplified. And this is also why I oppose uh, quote-unquote progressive Christianity, right? We, we ought to conserve the law of Christ and not make progress toward anything else. Um, and moreover, let me say this, I'm also a proud American patriot, but I'm much more than a patriot who simply uh, cheers for the dream team in the Olympics, right? I consider myself to be an American nationalist, defending, uh, depending upon how one defines that term and that word. So uh, here's the first definition of nationalist that I came across uh, four years ago. Actually, got it on my phone here, I think. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, when I first started hearing this term and people being opposed to Christian nationalism, uh, and people saying, well, we can be patriots, but we shouldn't be nationalists. I was like, oh, well, what's the difference? And so this was four or five years ago, and, I, and so I started Googling uh, what's the difference. And this is uh, the first uh, definition that I found. And uh, it's a, a, a person, who, a, a nationalist is a person who strongly identifies 
with their own nation and vigorously supports its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. So, as a Christian, I believe our nation's theological and philosophical foundations are pretty close to perfect. And thus, any other nation who opposes America's foundational interests ought to be opposed by America to their exclusion or detriment. So, to clarify, I, I believe America, although far from perfect, <laughs> or, you know, I said we're pretty close to perfect. Let, let me, I, we are not perfect. We've made many mistakes. But I do contend that America is the greatest nation to ever exist on the face of the planet. In fact, I think the entire world should adopt the theological and philosophical foundations of our great nation. And look, this isn't about who, whoever is the, the current president. I felt that way when uh, Barack Obama was our president. And I continued to feel that way under Donald Trump's presidency. And I feel that way now, even during Joe Biden's presidency. So this sentiment has nothing to do with who is currently sitting in the Oval Office. But, you know, uh, not long ago, um, it became clear to me that not all Christians feel the same way that I do. Over 5,000 uh, self-affirmed Christ followers signed a document, I think this was back in 2019, opposing Christian nationalism. And so I studied that document uh, in depth. And while I agree with some of the points in the document, after reading it and analyzing it as an as a analytical theologian, I just reject much of it. And therefore, while there is a little truth to be found within the document, uh, I refused to add my name to the list of endorsers back then, and I continue to reject it today. So if you guys would like, I, I think it'd be helpful to go through that short document in a step-by-step -step manner, and we can discuss each point, and I can tell you what I agree with and what I disagree with. I, but, I, I do want to get there uh, I, because I read this document. And there's things that I um, agree and disagree with, uh, I think. But before we get that, before we get there, um, Christian nationalism was kind of a pejorative until the certain people adopted it um, kind of as a badge of honor because they said, well, we are Christian and we are nationalists. And by nationalists, they were saying, you know, that, that we should, the, the nation should look out for its own interests. But the Christian nationalist movements, uh, the various, the loudest voices in that, they, they affirm things that, that Christianity should be privileged in the United States as by the government uh, over against other faiths. They also mm -hmm. believe that there should be some sort of Christian magistrate. Sometimes they refer to it as a Christian prince or so someone who is, has a, it's not an ecclesiastical authority, but it is a political agent who can discern um, theological matters from from the state and can call synods, can answer theological disputes and settle those, can punish um, heretics, enforce blasphemy laws, things like this. And so all of that is ideas that they promote is that. Are you in agreement with like the Stephen Wolf sort or the Joel Webbins sort of Christian nationalism? Yeah, well, 
So you, you brought up two points there. Uh, I don't think we need a prince, uh, the prince of theology, unless, unless that's me. I guess I would really like that position. Um, yeah, so Jonathan's the Pope and, and Tim is the prince. That's what, yeah, well, so see, that, where am that, I in the midst of this No, thing? this is my problem with, with this idea of a Christian prince. I mean, besides the fact that grown men are, you know, more hard up about a, a prince than Disney princesses were in a bygone era, I don't know of any Christian that is qualified for that position. Right. Yeah, so I, would no, not, I don't really want that. That was a joke. If you don't want, don't if want you don't that. think I'm qualified for it, because um, you know maybe my eschatology or, or my um, soteriology, you don't like it, or the fact that I'm an egalitarian. And they no, also, it's how much you talk so, about exercise that would keep you out. Right, well, no, I, that's right, where I actually agree with the Christian nationalists because they're big on fitness, and I think they're right about that. Uh, one well, place of yeah. agreement with them, but since they right. won't think that I'm qualified, I don't see any reason for me to join them because I don't think they have any person in their midst who is qualified to arbitrate theological matters on behalf of the state. Well, now, I have a question, since he kind of already answered that, that also is somewhat preliminary and has to do with the definition that you put forward for Christian nationalism. So could you read that definition again for me, Tim? Or did I get you, Uh, did I break your flow? What's that? Did I break your flow here? Yeah, totally broke it. Okay. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay. So uh, na- now this is just the definition of a nationalist um, without any qualifying word attached to it. So it's a person who strongly identifies with their own nation and vigorously supports its interests, especially uh, to the exclusion or detriment uh, of the interests of other nations. Right, so, right. Okay, that's that, what I needed. That's word... what I need. Hold on. That's what yeah. I needed. So the question I've got is, Okay, so that you responded to that or commented on that by pointing to uh, uh, other uh, nations that would be at odds with our underlying uh, philosophical and theological values in America. So, but what about a situation like what we have um, in, uh, well, let's just take Ukraine, for example, just for a moment. If one held the position that, yes, we care about the people of Ukraine, we love the people of Ukraine, we, uh, you know, and all of that is true, that there's no ill will in that regard. But the truth is, um, getting further involved or something in Ukraine actually puts our own interests uh, at risk, running out of oil or, you know, using up a lot of our oil reserves or things like that. Uh, and this isn't really my area, so I could be saying something horribly wrong. But the bottom line I want to get to is, yeah, or munitions or whatever. Else, yeah. So, yeah. so if if they said, look, it's nothing about Ukraine. It's just we need to put our own families, our own communities, uh, safety first in in how we operate. Would that be a Christian nationalist position? No. Or a nationalist okay. position? So let me back. Know. Let me back up. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that. Jonathan mentioned something about should Christians be privileged. And yes, a Christian nationalist, because I'm a Christian and a nationalist, Christianity is one of the positions that ought to be privileged because it can make logical uh, sense of our theological and philosophical foundations. And make no mistake, America has a theological and philosophical foundation in the Declaration. Um, We can discuss this more as we go on. But... uh, any, I, so it's not just Christians. It would be any worldview or any religion or worldview that can make logical sense of our foundations of this nation, our philosophical and theological foundations. Any view that cannot make logical sense or opposes it 
should not be privileged at all. In fact, it should be rejected. Okay, and but now you're so, including now you're including ancient Greek paganism because it's not just Jerusalem; it's Athens as well <laughs> that that influence our political system and the philosophical hey, framework. Of it doesn't Jerusalem. matter. It, I'm just saying, if they can make sense of the Declaration of Independence, that all uh, humans, no matter who you are, where you live on the planet, are given objective and unalienable rights that ought not be violated by anybody, including governments. If they can make sense of that, they ought to be privileged. Now, now in context, that's atheism not referring to individuals, that. though. That's Islam. referring to groups of people having the right to self-determine their own form of governance, just like all other people. That is the inalienable rights that they're talking about in the context of the Declaration of Independence. It's not necessarily referring to every single individual human being has these inalienable rights. That's not what that means in context. You don't, you don't, you don't, uh, no, I believe, I, that... I believe that we all have, every individual has inalienable human rights endowed by our creator. I don't believe that that's the statement being made in the declaration of independence in that as that's such. That's what it says. In context, that's what it says. in context, it's talking about how they have the right to order themselves um, for self-government. I mean, that that is, yeah, two things can be true at once. We hold these truths to be self-evident right. that all men are created equal and that all men, all men. like, and that's not all without exception. That's talking about all, all kinds of men, actually, literally, and that they are endowed by the creator uh, with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles, organizing its powers in such form and so, so Where, on. Where's the part where it says that it doesn't mean all people? Well, it's not. It's saying all people as in like... I know what you're doing. Nations. I, 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 yeah, I get it. But the yeah. point is, it's it, this is like a non sequitur. It seems to, like, I don't think the founders, are you saying the founders would deny this? Despite how they may have functioned. Do <laughs> they, you, but despite how they may have functioned. They functionally denied do, it. Do you, by, well, maybe. <laughs> they affirmed it with their mouths, denied it by their lifestyle right. in some cases. But what I'm saying is, you don't think that Tim is right, that they would say, yes, all people, all individual people have these are covered by this no they wouldn't i would and what i said is and we've had this conversation i agree with you that their claim makes more than they meant it to say but that's not what they intended it to say so what they intended it to say is like all other groups of men we are men too and have the right to establish and you know a form of government well, it sounds like maybe you intended independent to schedule of a debate this on crown this issue. that we don't agree with. Now, did they yeah. mean that for all individuals that were living in this? No, they own slaves. So okay. functionally, they didn't. Okay, but it seems <laughs> like you and Tim need to debate that in a separate video, maybe. But uh, but anyway, for the purposes here, Tim, carry on answering our questions. As yeah, I mean, uh, you know, pastors can do this all the time. And tell you they ought, you know, that you that that lusting after women is objectively wrong and sinful. Yet they still do it. That doesn't mean they don't believe it's true, and they don't. That doesn't mean that uh, they're they're lying when they're preaching it from the pulpit. In fact, uh, we all do that. We are all hypocrites to some extent, and we make claims about what is objectively right, wrong, good, bad, 
uh, and evil, um, and we don't live accordingly. So the fact of the matter is, is that America's theological foundation is objectively true, no matter if they were consistent with that or not. And I've made no claims that they were consistent. Well, um, I, everyone agrees I, with that. Okay, well, then that's what I'm basing it on. should agree. It, it, is our theological foundation, which is what has been used as the foundation of our Constitution and for the, the human rights movement, and which even Abraham Lincoln appealed to in order to uh, use the North to attack racists, <laughs> to, to reference um, the office. If you're a racist, I will attack you with the North. <laughs> um, and uh, so he, he referenced uh, the, the America's philosophical, uh, the, this experiment um, that we hold all men, um, uh, that, that, that we believe that all men are created equal and they get their rights by God. So um, I don't think this is a stretch to say, look, we have objectively true theological and philosophical foundations, and even the same people that wrote them had trouble living consistently with them. The fact of the matter is, it's that foundation which has allowed us to fix evils in our nation and allows us to continue to fight for what's objectively true and right. And so I'm saying uh, that since Christianity is consistent with that, we ought to be privileged. And I think... Okay, uh, okay, you know, okay. Uh, the Judeo-Christian values, I think uh, the Jewish religion should be privileged. And if anybody else can say, hey, here's my worldview, it's consistent, then privilege them. And, and we are the in, in types way, of folks who can live in what way? consistently with one we can. In, in what we'll, way we'll be the, good neighbors. Yeah, in what way should the nation privilege through law, through legislation? Well, you know, that's another question, um, but we definitely shouldn't be. Well, Christian uh, nationalists have an answer to that question. Yes, through law and legislation and policy. So, yeah, so definitely legally, there should, we should not be uh, infringed legally uh, through. Um, so, so the First Amendment ought to apply across the board to Christianity, right? Now, I would say. To, uh, the religion practiced by Hamas ought to be uh, rejected. We ought not let anybody who believes as Hamas does into our country. And for the sake of love, so so to Braxton's question um, about Ukraine, and let's just talk about other nations in general. Yeah, ju just to um, just to clarify, Tim, and this will just take me less than ten seconds. It basically what I'm asking is. Uh, 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 let's just say uh, if it's not Ukraine, a hypothetical nation where they do, they do kind of fall in line with what we would want to generally with what we would consider acceptable. But, uh, th this has to do with the, to the exclusion part, because, uh, for, you know, with some nation like this, further involvement might put us and our families and communities at risk or something. Do, would we privilege mm -hmm. America in such a, in such a situation? Yeah. Uh, so we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that includes uh, what, what, who is our neighbor? It's anybody that our, uh, that our life intersects with it. Um, so uh, yes, we ought to, I think, uh, strive to help other nations. Um, however, I was a lifeguard for seven years 
And uh, one of the first things they taught us was if you uh, aren't looking out for yourself uh, when you're trying to save somebody, you're both going to die. And that's not loving toward anybody. So keep yourself safe. The, in fact, uh, a drowning victim will try to often, <laughs> uh, they don't mean to, but they're not thinking about it. It's just a reaction. They will try to attack the very person that's trying to save them and drown them both in the process. So we were actually trained to fight and to strike yeah. them. And you flip them <laughs> over on their back and you're on your side and you put your arm around them yeah. to carry them to shore. Right. Yeah, I, I just like yeah, our yeah. training too. Yeah, yeah it's definitely... Right, right. Yeah. So, but I don't know. So in that definition of nationalism that you read, words like especially and detriment are kind of loaded terms. Cause I, I think that that definition was um, because a nationalist can be anyone from like, like a, an America first type person who thinks we should look out for our own interests and secure those before we help other people. And then others would take like the position guard. of look out for our own interests and stay out of other people's affairs around the world. Um, so I think, no, I, yeah, I, I don't think that's true. I think we should try to be as strong as possible, like a good lifeguard and, uh, then try to love the world, yeah. um, as we would love our neighbors as ourselves. Cause Braxton had um, mentioned, because so, Braxton had mentioned Ukraine. I've seen people who would say that they are either like the America first MAGA type people, um, or they would even identify as Christian nationalists. What, what I've seen recently since October 7th, when Israel was attacked, the very people who said nothing uh, should, not one more penny to Ukraine, are now split between no money to Ukraine and stay out of Israel and no money to Ukraine, but let's give money to Israel. So there's there's kind of a lot of fighting between the nationalist America first types right now over the question of Israel um, the consistent position, I think, is to stay out of all of it. Um, Thank you, MJ, consistent. for your super chats. I think that's consistent. Um, I, I I don't necessarily think it's inconsistent um, to say, well, we have less of a national interest in Ukraine because Ukraine is bad and you know corrupt and all of that, but we do have a national right. interest in the only democracy. So there's you can make all kinds of arguments, um, but. A nationalist, <laughs> and, I think. And also, I, I, let me just interrupt really quick. I mean, also, when you see the kinds of evil that just occurred, I mean, that, that when, when the evil that's just occurred made Nazis look nice, I think that's worth doing something about uh, if, we, if we are to really love our neighbors. I mean, to take, I mean, reports now of a, of a family sitting around the, the breakfast table, uh, they they gouged out the eyes of the dad, uh, chopped the fingers off of the kids and the legs off of the kids, took the baby and put it in the oven, turned it on, and then while the baby was being baked alive, raped the mom repeatedly in front of her family. I mean, Nazis wouldn't do something like that, and if they did, <laughs> they would sure hide it. And Hamas brags about it. This, this is such an extreme evil that it seems to me to be a properly basic belief that if there's anything good about our nation or any other nation, they should go and uh, for the sake of love, destroy that evil. Um, uh, okay. That's, that's but now, that similar types of evil have happened <clears throat> in African nations. Um, 
I mean, I'm then sure we, you then I say, this for the sake form. of loving our neighbor, we ought to do something about it. So, so we, you're, if, that's, if we have the power, if we are, if we are in a position of power and we can do something about it, then I think we should try to do whatever we can for the sake of love. So in what way is interventionist a nationalist position? I mean, just trying to get clarity because realize- most people, most people who are identifying as nationalists would say, we don't get involved in any of that. We don't inter, we're not interventionists trying to do the world police thing. And you're saying well, that saying, we have a moral well, obligation to go stomp out that evil. We just happen to be very selective about it when, when it doesn't, well, when, it doesn't, Christian when it doesn't suit, cre- when it doesn't suit the United States interests like in Darfur, we're going to stay out of it. Okay, but Christian nationalism <laughs> is not monolithic. And he said, I'm telling you what I think about all yeah. this. Yeah. But, I, but I, I'm asking yeah. how is interventionism fit under the banner of nationalist? Because if you're a Christian, I define Christian. And I define nationalism. And so if you're a Christian who is also a nationalist and you're living uh, consistently with both those terms, then uh, if you're a Christian, that means you love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're in a position to do something about it, uh, then you seek to love your neighbor as yourself. If if we were being brutalized. That includes all foreign neighbors, right? (laughs) Because I'd say all people is all people. I'm not a Calvinist. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move yeah. on from this because actually you had something else you wanted to cover, and I have a couple of super chats. But oh, yeah. one super chat I want to hit with you with right now because I love this guy. Uh, Caleb Jackson says, should emphasis on libertarian free will imply that we should not use force or laws to enforce Christian values on other people via the government? Now, Tim— uh, not steal no. your thunder, but I don't know, uh, Caleb, how that would remove libertarian free will. Follow. You would still have libertarian free will, even if you were in solitary confinement. Uh, you would just have fewer options available to you. But Tim, what is your answer? Yeah. So first of all, what's up, Caleb? Good to hear from you. Um, oh, so yeah, should emphasis on libertarian freedom imply that we should not use force or laws to enforce Christian values? on other people via the government. So I'm not advocating uh, Christianity um, and, and only Christianity. I'm advocating the theological foundations of America. And so recognizing that what well, we should, look, if we're, if we're Americans, then that means uh, that we're based on the foundation, on a theological and philosophical foundation that all people have objective and unalienable rights that ought not be violated by anybody, including governments. That is what we should uh, force or enforce. Uh, those are the values that we ought to enforce on uh, American culture. Um, to do anything else is literally un-American. So yeah, w- Christian values happen to align with that, right? So Christianity would be one of the worldviews that's privileged here but it's it's not a so so it's it gets confusing because we use the term christian nationalism it's really two things i am a christian who believes that our nation has the best theological foundations so because i'm a christian and because i'm a nationalist maybe maybe the best term isn't christian nationalism it's just a christian who's also a nationalist i think our our nation's philosophical and theological foundations are objectively true and they ought to be enforced here. 
And since we're Christians, we care about all people in the world. And therefore, we, we should encourage the rulers of other nations to treat their citizens uh, and to, uh, to, to recognize these objective and unalienable rights that they possess as well. We should use um, our influence as much as possible to see uh, this kind of flourishing throughout the world. Now, as Paul says, as far as it's up to you, seek to live at peace with all people. It's, it, it might not be possible for us to ensure that this happens around the world, but as far as it's up to us, we should seek to use our power and influence and our leverage to encourage all rulers of the world and everybody in the world to see that all people, no matter what their color of skin, no matter where they're born and raised, no matter what, that they that they recognize that they have these objective and unalienable rights that ought not be violated by anybody. Um, and and, and that's, these are rights that then, given their libertarian freedom, they can lose. And that's why we have prisons here. Yeah, and so he gives a follow-up here as a clarifying point. God gives us libertarian freedom to choose the good rather than forcing us to do the good by the same metric. So he kind of seems like what he's doing, he knows that libertarian freedom would still exist in solitary confinement. But uh, he's saying, like, doesn't that kind of give you a principle about the, what God wants in terms of the freedom of choice? So shouldn't we respect America's Americans' freedoms to not choose Christian values? No, uh, even, even yeah. you know, I, I affirm libertarian free will but even if i was an advocate for theonomy or theocracy of some kind i would still say we can enforce whatever laws that that we that that are the laws of the land and you have the libertarian free will to obey them or violate them so i i don't think that the libertarian an emphasis on libertarian free will doesn't i don't think any sort of political philosophy follows from that sort of metaphysics about the cosmos. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Just because libertarian freedom exists no, within I, I, human I beings. I think he gets that. that. I, yeah. I didn't think that. I didn't know originally whether he understood that or, or meant that or not. But now I, I'm getting that. No, no, no. He gets that philosophical point. No, I know. I'm just saying I don't think I don't think there's a we just as we'd have a law outlawing murder because god still made you know under the law of moses there were still laws. Yeah, and, and god still wanted you to have. And, and so my point is I don't freedom. think that that libertarian free freedom points us more towards a you you know we shouldn't have a law that says you have to go to church any more than you can't commit murder um if that's the kind of society you lived in um i don't think an emphasis of free will means we should therefore back off from religious uh laws like that like mm -hmm. that like you must attend church or you must not blasphemy in the public square or things mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. now i'm not in favor of any of that stuff i mean christian nationalists are but I don't think the, the the understanding of libertarian free will should dictate any Christian how they organize their um, politics. Tim? Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, by the same metric, shouldn't we respect Americans' freedoms to not choose Christian values? Again, I'm not advocating that everybody has to be a Christian here. I'm advocating that we ought to live according to America's theological and philosophical foundations. Well, that would include uh, Christianity is compatible with it. What? Well, religious that would include re religious pluralism, which brings us back well, to in what way would I mean that's part of the it doesn't though. You know. I mean, it depends what you mean by pluralism. I mean, so uh, and and this is what I get into if you guys want to discuss this uh, document that I I discussed because it 
we we love the idea of pluralism, but yeah, no, okay, I don't love the idea mean? of pluralism. I'm saying it's part <laughs> of the American <laughs> foundation. Let him talk well, for a second, Bridget. Look, yeah, right. Uh, it's we like the idea. We say we like the idea of pluralism, and it's part of historic America. But that's to a degree, right? We don't we don't usher in. Uh, I mean, Hamas opposes our our Declaration of Independence and their our theological and philosophical foundation. Uh, Satanists who really believe that Satan exists. I, whenever I bring this up, I'm like, well, the Satanists are actually atheists. Okay, I know there's different brands of Satanists. Let Let's think of the kind of Satanism that actually believes they're worshiping Satan and ought to sacrifice virgins, really sacrifice virgins on the altar. Theological Satanism. Yeah, theological Satanism. That we, we, we say no to that pluralism. Why? Because it violates America's theological and philosophical foundations. Hamas, the religion of Hamas. People say, well, that's not uh, actual true Islam. That's debatable. Um, I, I think David Wood would tell you that it is, but let's suppose it's not true Islam and just call it Hamas Islam. Hamas Islam is not the kind of pluralism that works here. What is the kind of pluralism that works here? Any view that makes sense of America's theological and philosophical foundations. And I don't so, think there's a lot of them, well, but if you can make it issue. work. Yeah. There's two issues there. So you would, you would, you would be in favor of passing laws that ban not only the actions that someone in you know Hamas Islam would commit, but the idea itself would be outlawed in America. Like, what do you mean by you, the idea? You don't believe that someone can affirm that version of Islam as long as they don't break any laws that violate other people's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? Or do you believe that the religion itself uh, should be banned by the state? No, I mean that's how a- atheists feel about, uh, like in, in uh, e- well, even on the Temple Mount in Israel, I've been there. It's not run by Jews; it's run by Muslims. They're right. like, you can think whatever you want to up here, but you better not pray. If you pray out loud or even open a book of prayer, you will be arrested. Right, um, and you think so, we should have look, that in America towards? So you think it's? Okay I don't think to anybody have... should practice. No, listen. Let me. Okay. Anything that violates in action America's theological and philosophical foundations, that's why we have – look, that's why we have jail and prisons, right? It's, yeah, but I'm not it, talking about – Now, you, okay, you can think all you want. I want that, that murder is good. But as long as you never murder anybody, then you're not going to jail, right? People right, that's who exactly what we have right now. People who live inconsistently – with the Declaration of Independence, don't make good neighbors and ought to be separated from. Uh, they they can think all. I'm about free thinking. You can think whatever the heck you want. I'm talking about action, um, and also the freedom to call out inconsistencies in what is taught, uh, whether it be in the schools or churches or whatever. Freedom to have those discussions and say, "Hey, look." This is what your teachings, uh, this is what is entailed by your statements and your uh, statement of beliefs or whatever. This is how it violates um, America's theological foundation. So if you are, if you practice Hamas Islam or think that Hamas Islam is good, 
um, that you, you cannot practice. If you think that you ought to sacrifice virgins to Satan, we don't, you, you cannot not, be part of the, uh, of America's experiment here. Uh, okay. how, do you, how, how do you enforce the, that? The pluralism doesn't, the pluralism doesn't go that far. Pluralism well, what I'm asking is, works. I still haven't, you haven't answered my question though. What I'm asking is, Tim if somebody believes the they should sacrifice virgins, but never sacrifices virgins, but still says that that's a good thing, even though they don't do it, they're living inconsistent with the religion, all that, right? Is that person allowed to remain in the United States, or is that person outlawed by the state? How? Well, what what should be? Me, the case? You can think whatever you want. We're, we're nobody goes to jail for thinking, at least not yet. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so no law that bans the person who thinks that. Only laws that you know, like we have, that says you can't murder virgins. Now, right? now perhaps there, perhaps there should be a law against uh, allowing a the Church of Hamas Islam, to practice, to even preach that. So uh, now, we, that, now we now well, we prohibit that, speech. Well, uh, there, there are some, there is some speech that is prohibited now. Um, I agree. Now we, right? So, so there's nothing against thinking, but if you're teaching, hey, congregation, you ought to go out and kill and rape Jews. I don't, I would never do it, but you guys should. No, <laughs> I think that should be banned, right? If, if there's a pastor um, of a white, the white supremacist church saying, well, I would never do anything racist, but you guys should go and uh, terrorize African-Americans uh, to be a good, to be a good member of the white supremacist church. No, I think that should be banned because that's not loving. Um, look, I'm saying we ought to, if we're if we're Americans who believe that humans have rights that are obje- that are objective and unalienable and ought not be violated by anybody, including governments, and uh, then we ought to strive to live as consistently as possible. Okay, uh, here's an interesting question that I think uh, kind of gets to the heart of what some in our audience, the atheists, might wonder. Honestly, atheist says, "Let's get to brass tacks here." As an atheist, how is my liberty protected under a Christian nationalist system? Tim? As a Christian who is a nationalist, I affirm that you have rights that ought not be violated um, by anybody, including governments. And I would uh, give my life to protect your rights. And I think our government should defend your rights. There you go. Now, I would say that I don't think that as an atheist, you can make sense personally, right? You cannot make logical sense of America's philosophical foundations. Um, uh, where do these rights come from? Are they subject subjective? Do we just make them up? If so, can they be taken away? I don't think you have unalienable objective rights that ought not be violated. It's just a nice idea that a lot of people agree on. Um, but you don't have to make logical sense of the rights that you enjoy. I recognize that they, that you have them and that they are objective and unalienable. And therefore I would fight to defend you. Okay. Now we actually have a response from IP here. He says, got to run, but, and by the way, I think IP and, and uh, Tim are friendly with each other. There's no question about that. And he says, got to run, but 
Tim yeah. isn't a Christian nationalist. I agree. <laughs> you cannot define a term by its etymology. A Christian nationalist is something unique and not just a Christian and a natural nationalist. Jonathan is spitting. Quit spitting over there, Jonathan. <laughs> That's a clean area of the office. You mean fire, buddy. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Michael and I talked a little bit about this. Um, if, if, I think that all American Christians should be nationalists. Um, and if somebody is going to, I mean, I think what Michael is saying here is, well, look, the way some people define Christian nationalism, Tim isn't a Christian nationalist. Fine. But also people are going to say, well, Tim isn't a free thinker because he's not an <laughs> atheist. Bullcrap. I started free thinking ministries. I am a free thinker. People say that I'm not a compatible. Yeah. Well, but let, if me, you were to add... let me define compatibilist. All right. I, I am, I am a compatibilist in one sense and probably in two senses that I can think of, but I reject what's often in the literature uh, defined as compatibilism. People say that Tim's not reformed because uh, he is not a Calvinist. Well, I've got my reformed card from a reformed university who recognize that my doctoral dissertation showed that Molinism was compatible with Reformed theology. So we're, we're, what we're doing here, what, I think what Michael and I are doing here is disagreeing over the definition. If we're going to allow some guy over here to define it, I'm free to say, well, if that's what it means, that I'm not a Christian nationalist. But this is how, this is what it, it, how it makes sense to me. Um, I know what it means to be a Christian, and I know what it means to be a nationalist, and because I'm a Christian, and I think our nation has the best theological foundations on the face of the planet and in the history of the world, I do think that as a nationalist, those ought to be applied worldwide. If that doesn't make me a Christian nationalist, fine, just call me a Christian who's a nationalist. But now I think we're splitting hairs. Okay. No, I think you're I, I, a Christian neoconservative, I, but I, I'm, I'm 25 read, years ago. I'm going to read a few comments here, and you can react to them or not. But uh, Susan, and we love Susan. We've been on her show, and we've had her on Trinity Radio Extra. She says, if your religion promotes murdering, you shouldn't have the same freedoms as a religion that is peaceful. That's one comment. Well and uh, another one here is Josh, who I think seems like maybe is a Christian nationalist of some sort. Do you know well, this guy? Well, yeah, he's my colleague with Free Thinking Ministries. And oh, I know <laughs> Josh. Yeah, yeah, you, you met know. him. <laughs> Josh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Josh, so, Josh is great. So, yeah. let, let me Go say, uh, Josh actually has a, an article on the Free Thinking Ministries website called The Right Kind of Christian Nationalism. And so he and I have talked about this uh, quite a bit. In fact, I would encourage you to have him on your show in the future. To, so I actually, so when I started Free Thinking Ministries, before I uh, give your show back to you, Braxton. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you take your time. When I started Free Thinking Ministries, my goal was really to talk about cultural issues um, so much. And I thought, well, it'd be good for me to get my PhD to give me kind of a, a foundation so I can speak on all these different issues. And so, you know, I wrote a doctoral dissertation, published this book, and uh, um, and then my goal was, if you see 2020, my goal I mean, I, for like over three months straight, all I did was talk about cultural issues. And then um, our friend Guillaume Bignon wrote this 50-page blog um, uh, against, against my book. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to be in the realm of theology uh, and, and, you know, philosophical theology a bit longer here. 
So started talking to Josh and ultimately I, I brought Josh on board to kind of be the, the main uh, voice into cultural issues. I still do it, obviously, since I'm here with you guys today, but he's, he's become kind of the main voice on cultural issues at Free Thinking Ministries while I'm Well, let's go the to the Director waters. of Cultural um, Engagement for uh, Free Thinking Ministries, Josh Klein, who says, I think there is a misunderstanding here. I, I almost did it in my William Lane Craig voice. <laughs> I think there's a misunderstanding no, no. here. The idea <laughs> is that Christianity ought to hold cultural cachet and influence over the state. All other forms of religion ought not. People are still free within. Now, that was so good. Yeah, the, I don't want the, you to think that William Lane Craig was on here. Yeah, actually the misunderstanding saying, is that you thought anyone found that entertaining. Correct Christian nationalism. Protect the individual from the state. Yes. But do not protect the state from its founding theological principles or Lady yeah. Gaga. Well said. There you go. That's that's William Lane Craig. <laughs> and by the way, Josh doesn't sound anything like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I like to protect the individual. That's why I'm against the Christian nationalism that's popular on X, formerly Twitter, because the Christian national is just the most ridiculous authoritarian statist nonsense. It's uh, um, I, I want nothing to do with it. Tim, what if we were to argue that your system oppresses people's rights, such as with the LGBT community? Be based. Say so what? <laughs> um, now, now, Pritchett. Uh, you, you, yeah, honestly, yeah, so Atheist can, uh, is already upset today. You're just going <laughs> to set him over the edge. I've never seen him so, to use a term I hate, spicy. Right. Go ahead. So uh, the commenter asks says, what if we were to argue? Well, I encourage you to argue. Make your case, and I will. I, I already have a res, uh, ready response. In fact, I've got an uh, article and a video on this topic uh, saying that if you want such thing as objective LGBTQ rights, then you better be a Christian. And hey, have fun uh, trying to get your LGBTQ rights in Palestine right now. Yeah, Hamas Islam will throw you off the the roof. Right. Yeah. The LGBTQ com community ought to ought to fight for Christian values more than anybody else, even if they don't think Christian values are true. Right. Even if they oppose Christianity it's Christianity that allows the LGBTQ community to flourish. Even if we can say we think you're wrong and you ought not live that way, we're going to fight for your rights. So it's just idiotic to uh to, to oppose the view that says you have objective and unalienable rights that ought not be violated by anybody. You know, when I saw, we saw photos from our own country of saying queers for Hamas, right? They will kill you. As soon as they have a chance to get their hands on you, they will kill anybody in the LGBTQ community, right? They'll kill you. They'll cut your head off. They'll drop you off a building head first. They will kill you. Christians won't do that. Christians Amen. will fight for you. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Tim and I actually did prepare to respond to this thing. So let's get to the... <laughs> go before, right ahead. Before we go, let's get to the why you didn't sign the Christians Against Christian Nationalism statement. I'm against Christian nationalism, and I, I wouldn't sign this either, but I don't like signing statements. But what are your... Um, I'll skip the preamble. You want me to just go ahead and read each of their bullet points and you respond to them? Uh, 
yeah, yeah. I'll just quickly say that, uh, again, um, I affirm that everybody has rights. I think, uh, um, you know, Jesus affirms God's creative intent and design plan. Uh, that's Mark 10, 6 through 8, Matthew 19, right? He goes on to make it clear that humanity was created on purpose and for a specific purpose. Uh, and then, you know, Jesus summarized the entire purpose of human existence in two simple and easy to remember commands. And, uh, and, and Matthew, you know, one, love God first. And two, everybody love everybody. And, and that's your neighbors to those who would consider you to be an enemy. And then Jesus hammered his second command home by offering the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 is an example of how humans ought to make sure an individual of a different people group thrives and flourishes, uh, even though that different people group uh, would probably not have done the same thing for them. So here's my salient point. If Jesus was right, then all humans have rights, objective rights. And, 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 that is, and, and therefore, if they're objective, that would make them unalienable. So that is to say, if Jesus was right, then it's objectively true that all humans should always be treated with love and to do otherwise misses the mark, uh, misses the objective purpose of human existence. Um, okay, so, so, so uh, agreed or disagree, people of all faiths and none have the right and responsibility to engage constructively in the public square. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, people of all faiths uh, so and that none. Depends. Okay. Yeah, people of all uh, faiths and none yeah. have the right and responsibility to engage constructively in the public square. Agree or disagree? Uh, disagree. That seems like a stupid statement to me. Um, because for, and then I'd have to say, well, what do you mean by constructively? And, and what, what are those in the public square constructing? Is it something approximating to the foundation of America, the Declaration of Independence? Or is it something radically opposed to it? Is it not impossible to construct something opposed to the foundation upon which it's constructed? So if, for example, a person holds to some weird and non-Christ-like worldview affirming white supremacy, should he or she be allowed into America's public square to join the construction process? No, I contend that this racist individual is un-American and thus should not be allowed to construct anything in America. And similarly, uh, what if one holds uh, a worldview which disagrees with the Declaration of Independence and declares that humanity was not granted equal, objective, and unalienable rights by our Creator? Right. Well, such individuals stand opposed to America's foundational beliefs, and thus they are un-American, at least in that sense. Well, look, are, are we going to allow people who oppose the idea that our rights are objective and unalienable to help construct anything in America's public square. I, I say that that's crazy. If, if so, let's bring Hamas in here. Let's let Hamas work with us to construct America on this public square. It's not going to work. When we're talking about pluralism, we are talking about the plurality of views that are logically compatible with America's theological and philosophical foundations. All right. Agree or disagree? Patriotism. Yeah. Patriotism does not require us to minimize our religious convictions. Yeah, that depends on what uh, what are one's religious convictions. For example, if you're if you're just if an evangelical Christian, well, if one were convinced that Islamic Sharia law, which is incompatible with the Declaration of Independence, should replace constitutional law, then this worldview would be an un-American idea. So 
yeah, the but just in general, convictions. do you agree with the statement that patriotism does not require? So you disagree with that statement because you think that there are some religious convictions that would not allow you to be a patriot. Yeah, the ones that okay. contradict and oppose the idea that America that that all humans have objective and unalienable rights that ought not be violated by anybody. Just look at how Muslims uh, uh, treat women. Um, in in these in these nations, look at how Hamas treats their women. Look at how women are treated in Afghanistan or Iran. One's re- one's no. religious affiliation yeah. or lack thereof should be irrelevant to one standing in the civic community. I don't agree with that one either. Um, agree or disagree? One's religious affiliation or lack thereof should be irrelevant to one standing in the civic community. And not if the civic community is based on the ideas affirmed in the Declaration of Independence. Again, for example, if one's religious affiliation or lack thereof entails that it's objectively good to murder those in the LGBTQ community, like Hamas does, or that there is nothing objectively wrong with those who persecute homosexuals, then these individuals are the epitome of what it means uh, to be un-American or anti-American. So, this so is it's very relevant irrelevant. what they're it, it is very relevant. And to so one's religious affiliation, if it's like jihadist Islam, should be relevant to their standing in the civic community. And the civic community should act, respond accordingly to people who yeah. hold those views or white supremacists or everything. You don't have to be polite sure. to anybody just because. So take the Kenists, for example, like the reformed Kenists, you know, um, their um, religious views on interracial mingling and all of that should be relevant to how we tolerate their views in, in, in the civic community. I mean, I think so. I, I, I don't think you should throw them yeah. in jail, but I, I think you should shame them for having ridiculous views, but yeah. Okay. Agree or disagree. Government should not prefer one religion over another or religion over non-religion. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, if America is based on the idea that all humans are objectively equal and possess unalienable rights granted to us by our creator, then anyone holding an un-American worldview or religion opposing this uh, foundational idea uh, should not be preferred by a government based on the Declaration of Independence. I think it's okay. pretty simple. Uh, relig- religious instruction is best left to our houses of worship, other religious institutions, and family. Well, that might generally be true, um, but it might be good for at least public American schools to teach about America's Declaration of Independence. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what kind of – I don't think uh, our, our students these days are getting a good education on that, uh, at least in many places in our nation. But, you know, as we do at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary, Correct. <laughs> educators ought to teach students how to think, and students ought to be taught these critical thinking skills – um, and how to be a free thinker uh, from a very young age so that they can think critically and discern what worldviews are logically compatible and incompatible with America's foundational philosophy. So if young people would be taught how to think instead of groupthink, right, then we then we wouldn't see these idiotic protests like, you know, queers for Hamas. Uh, that's right. like African-Americans for the KKK or chickens for KFC. You know, <laughs> uh, but uh, 
yeah, it's uh, our, our, yeah. I, I think that um, that what the document says there is largely true um, and generally true, but we need to do a better job in American public school of teaching critical thinking skills and how to be a good free thinker as opposed to being a group thinker. All right, there's three more points here, and so far you haven't agreed with much of this, which makes sense that you didn't sign it. But America's historic commitment to religious pluralism enables faith communities to live in civic harmony with one another without sacrificing our theological convictions. That's patently false on the face of it, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've been been talking about already, Uh, religious pluralism is great, but if it's an American view we are discussing, then each religion must affirm objective truths espoused in the Declaration of Independence. So, uh, like I said earlier, um, a Satanist who thinks it's acceptable to sacrifice young virgins on the altar uh, should not be accepted in America's pluralistic society. Pluralism is great, but this does not mean any and all views are compatible with America's foundational I mean, this, philosophy. Yeah, that, that, that statement sounds nice in theory until you see, like... Mm-hmm people on a college campus beating each other up over their religious views. Like you see Jews getting jumped, walking to class in Harvard on Harvard's camp. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, that sounds nice in theory, but that's just not how the rule works. Okay. The next one, agree or disagree, conflating religious authority with political authority is idolatrous and often leads to oppression of minority and other marginalized groups, as well as the spiritual impoverishment of religion. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, one ought to be careful. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we shouldn't conflate the two, but Christians are completely justified in opposing political candidates who do not recognize certain unalienable human rights, uh, such as the right to life. Right. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, I guess the, the problem is in America, though, um, people can go through the primary process and elect people, you know, um two positions uh, to where they can go on to the general election and win uh, when they have views that are opposed to the theological and philosophical foundations. I mean, you have, you have Muslim socialists in Congress right now. Right. No, I I mean, uh, but our system allows for them to have that path to government. Look, right. It does. And I think that is a problem. uh, I think, I think the Constitution, yeah, I think the Constitution should be amended uh, because, look, in the Constitution, it says no religious test will be applied to somebody seeking office or something of that nature. But I say, hold on a second. Uh, I, so we can, so Hamas, we're going to let Hamas in there. Uh, we're going to let people who would um, rape kids to death <laughs> really mm-hmm. uh, i think religious tests uh, the the religious test should be this do you affirm the theological foundation of america that we all have rights given to us by god that are objective and unalienable and not not be violated by anybody including governments look if you're I mean, if you're th- if you practice the hamas kind of religion you don't believe that and so that religious test should exclude you so look, I say the religious test should simply be: Can you logically affirm these objective and unalienable human rights? Well, the good news is our constitution also outlines a process of how to amend it. So good luck 
getting that amendment through, but I don't, I don't think that, that that's no. going to actually work, uh, at least in this cur- current cultural climate. Well, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just want to say that our dec- the Declaration of Independence, which serves as the foundation for the Constitution um, and the Constitution, are – if we have a problem in our nation right now, it's that those two things um, kind of contradict each other. At that point, so I think yeah, that, I mean, uh, but 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 the the same theological philosophical foundations that went into a however flawed they were, all of that I already made that case earlier. But however flawed they yeah. are, that that same theological and philosophical framework that produced both documents does does produce the the ability for the very problems that many Christian nationalists and I will say diet caffeine free Christian nationalists like you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's Christian nationalism zero. It's not diet. I mean it's zero. that those same philosophical yeah. and and theological ideas that were in the atmosphere at the time of those those documents being written allowed for their own destruction. And I, I guess they kind of even hinted at that, you know, in the documents themselves. But that I mean, if it becomes intolerable, you can scrap all this, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's so, just it but, seems but, to me it's just uh, uh, a mis mistaken to say that no religious test when a religious test could be, well, do you sacrifice virgins uh, to Satan uh, on the altar worshiping Satan? Do you do that? That seems to be a good religious test to say, no, you're not qualified to run for office. In fact, you belong in jail. Last point is we must stand (laughs) up to and speak out against Christian nationalism, especially when it inspires acts of violence and intimidation, which I, I don't know, including vandalism, bomb threats, arson, hate crimes, and attacks on houses of worship against religious communities at home. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's alarmist language, but I, I mean, you can be against yeah. acts of violence and all of the bomb threats and art. You can be against that as a Christian nationalist. So I don't know why you should stand up against Christian nationalism when there are any number of worldviews that also Include vandalism, bomb threats. Well, or just saying, we'll call out our own. I mean, well, no, I mean, we must stand up and speak out against Black Lives Matter, especially when it inspires yeah. acts of violence. I mean, you could insert whatever sure. you. We must stand up against Hamas. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like we must stand up against, you know, what the Ku Klux. You could put anything in that kind of statement. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and, go ahead, and, Tim. Well, I was just going to say, if a view logically leads to this vandalism and bomb threats and arson and hate crimes and things like that, then it's got nothing to do with the teachings of Christ, since a Christian is, by definition, a follower of Christ. Remember, that's what I talked about, being a a conservative Christ follower. Um, Then Christian nationalism, right? if Christian means anything, uh, then it would not lead to those atrocities. And Jesus commands his followers— um, Christians to love all people from their neighbors to those who consider them as enemies. So now okay. I don't want now, but to be fair to the authors of this, and I'm not saying I'm an expert on the book, a case for Christian nationalism by Stephen Wolf, but there appears to be some justification for violent revolutions. So just, he does write a, yeah, some justification. Okay. Yeah. No. And actually, so, if you, so the America's founding was also a violent revolution against England. So yeah, I, so <laughs> as a, I've argued quite extensively on my website, freethinkingministries.com or the Freethinking Ministries YouTube channel, uh, that 
sometimes violence is the most loving thing to do. Um, and I argue that that is biblically backed and not, and I, I can do it without touching the old Testament, just using new Testament, just using the words of Jesus and the words of Paul. Um, I can make two different arguments, one based upon the words of Jesus and a stronger case based upon, uh, Paul, uh, and practicing good hermeneutics throughout. So, um, what is, um, but, but hate speech, right? I think this, uh, um, was part of that, yeah, hate crimes. The way those are, uh, you know, that would be more like attacking somebody just because of their race or just because of their, uh, uh, you know, just because they're Jewish or uh, just because they're Christians or just because the color of their hair, um, whatever. Um, that would That is opposed to the teachings of Jesus. That is not loving. But sometimes... For the same reason that police officers carry Glocks on their side is because, in theory, it's supposed to be because the only time they would pull that trigger is if it's the most loving thing to do in a certain and extreme situation. That's also um, for for those who have concealed carried licenses or, or carry concealed weapon. The only time you should use that. The only time you should ever even think about pulling that trigger is only if it is the most loving thing to do in that situation. And since that's almost zero, you know, you should never or almost never uh, have to use it. Um, but it's only in those extreme situations when violence is the most loving thing to do. So, for example, uh, I, I think Israel using violence against Hamas right now while trying as hard as possible uh, not to um, kill civilians. That, that'll be impossible. But that is almost the most, it is, I, I'd say, the most loving thing they can do at the moment is to eradicate Hamas because they have so, vowed to continue doing what they did on October 7th again and again and again. So the most loving thing they can do in that extreme, horrible situation is to uh eradicate Hamas from the, from, <laughs> from their power, uh, from that border. Yeah. So, so, he, so I, here's what we're going to do. I've got, if you've got time, there's only two more questions I want us to answer. And then I'm going to let you say anything that you feel like you didn't get to say. Uh, so, that, so we'll do that. The first thing I want to throw up is uh, since we're talking about Hamas, should it be legal to have pro Hamas anti-Semitic rallies here in the U S like they had, in Germany over the weekend, I am guessing yes, like having the KKK march in St in Skokie. Uh, you know, if pro Hamas are, rallies are anti-Semitic rallies, um, if they are, if we're going to say they're legal to have this, uh, I mean, if it is, if it's if any any uh, speech is calling for the the persecution or praising the persecution of Jews that Hamas did to them, and trying to say it's morally equivalent to anything, it is in many senses it's worse than what Nazis did. Um, so I think. Since I, I think free speech is 
uh, awesome, but it, I don't think it should violate um, our theological and philosophical foundations. Um, so, I de- yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, part of me wants to say it shouldn't be legal to call for the death of somebody because they are a different color of skin, right? If a white person got up and said, hey, I'm going to practice my free speech, all white people, you you should go kill all black people from, from the West Coast to the East Coast, free America from <laughs> anybody that's not white, go kill them. That person should, in my opinion, uh, I don't think that should be tolerated by a society who lives according to the Declaration of Independence. Now, people might disagree with me on that, but, and, and, uh, cause I, I'm a big advocate of the, um, first amendment, but again, I would say as long as the first amendment doesn't violate our philosophical foundations, but All right. I'm open and- to, I'm open to pushback. Okay. Now, uh, this will be the last question and, uh, thank you, honestly, atheist for giving our show on the regular good content that is critical because, uh, that's helpful in a show like this. So he's, it says, does Tim acknowledge the verifiable historical fact that the founders intentionally authored the constitution to be a secular document? Uh, yes, but the declaration sure isn't secular. If you mean by that, let's pretend God doesn't exist. Um, or assume God doesn't exist. Uh, uh, the declaration is worded even, uh, you know, saying that we get our, uh, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we get our, uh, these, these rights, um, endowed to us by our creator. I'm not, uh, uh, quoting it word for word right now, but that these are unalienable and by that they mean they're objective. And, and really, uh, let me see. I've got, um, I've got an argument here. Let me see if I can find it here in my notes. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. I call this with the moral argument in mind. Um, we can give a declaration of independence argument for God's existence. And I'll say premise one, if God does not exist, then the declaration of independence is false and humans do not possess objective and unalienable rights, which ought not be violated by anyone, including governments. Premise two, the declaration of independence is true and humans do possess objective and unalienable rights, which ought not be violated by anyone, including governments. And uh, the conclusion is, therefore, God exists. Now, um, yeah, so uh, we can say that the Constitution is secular, but that doesn't mean that all worldviews can make sense of objective and unalienable human rights. So, uh, um yeah, and that's what that's what pr- provides the foundation for the Constitution. So you've got a, a problem. So, so are there. you saying something, um, Tim, like this? You're like saying, yeah, sure. But the fact is, if you look at Christianity's theological and philosophical uh, affirmations or at least underpinnings and you look at that document, what you're going to come away with is this is the best expression of that document. And that's why you oh, say yeah. maybe something like, if there are others, other positions or worldviews that could make some sense out of those documents, well, fine. But the Christian one yeah. seems to be the preeminent one that does it the best. Is that something like that? 
Yeah, I've got an article on my website um, called Atheism is Un-American. And uh, in that, I, I'm not arguing that Christianity is the only consistent American view, but, uh, but it's the best explanation of all the data. Um, but hey, but, but let's build that public square with anybody who can affirm these objective and unalienable human rights. Tim, is there anything you want to say that you didn't get to say that you're itching to say before we close? Uh, no, not really. I think this was a great conversation. Um, I could, I could, uh, say much more about that document, but I, um, I've written on that document on my website, uh, do encourage, um, folks to look at that and to look at Josh Klein's article called the right kind of Christian nationalism. And, you know, I've talked with uh, others who are, you know, I think of my friend Mike Austin. He's the president of the Evangelical Philosophical Society. And uh, he and I have had many talks about this. Um, and he's opposed to Christian nationalism. When I unpack everything for him the way that uh, I've done today, uh, basically, he says, well, why can't you call it just patriotism? And I think, well, patriotism is a different thing. I think you could live, uh, let's say you lived in um, this, you know, in the Soviet Union in the, in the 80s um, and you hated your government. That doesn't mean you can't be patriotic and cheer for the uh, Soviet Union's basketball team in the Olympics. Uh, so you can still be patriotic while uh, despising your government. Um, and, uh, you know, and I also know multiple people around the globe who are Christians and who also think America has the best form of government and the best philosophical foundations and wish that our foundations and these recognizable, these, these recognized objective and unalienable human rights would be applied to them. So I'm, I'm thinking of folks who I know personally, uh, I mean, I, I have conversations with people in Pakistan and people in Iran and people in Africa um, and uh, all over the world who would be quick to say that they think that America's, that the nation of America is the best and that it is that shining city on a hill and that they, and they wish that the same rights that we recognize would be applied to them. Um, so since they're Christians, in a sense, you could say they're Christian American nationalists, even though they're not American citizens. Um, and so I also think there's folks who live here in this nation who have no idea um, <laughs> what they're trying to argue for. And as Richard Dawkins has recently recognized, maybe, you know, I think he said something to the effect like, maybe we open the door to something much worse when he's argued against uh, Christianity. Something, uh, when, when, when something, you know, if Christianity loses its uh I would say it's rightful position in the world. Uh, that vacuum is going to be taken over by something else. Well, what's going to replace it? 
Sharia law. Have fun with that. Um, so yeah, I do think as a Christian, I, so like, like Michael Jones said, he, he said, I, he said, I'm not a Christian nationalist. Okay. He said, I'm a Christian who's also a nationalist. Uh, fine. If that's what, it, if, okay. As long as I've made my case, I think our nation. Yeah, you're you're is, saying, Tim. You're you're best. basically saying, yeah. look, the the terminology around this isn't so much of an issue as what I'm affirming. And I think you're saying, I think I qualify as uh, one of the forms of Christian nationalism, and I think the best one. But uh, if you don't want to call me that, then whatever, basically, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Diet. Good with that. Caffeine free Christian nationalism. That's the official term now. Is that well? We. Yeah, uh, it's better than mere Christian nationalism, right? <laughs> He's already used mere for other things, yeah. for mere Molinism. So we can't, he can't just keep using mere for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I like using it. diet caffeine free. All right. Well, listen, this has been a lot of fun, Tim. We, we love you. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been in the comments. This is a pretty fun topic because Christians and atheists and even Christians alone dis disagree with each other about this issue. And so it's kind of fun. And uh, we love having you on, Tim. All of Tim's, uh, you know, outlets yeah. are linked in the description. Did you link Luke Mills, though? I mean, this guy is an apologist. He has a website. He has a YouTube yeah. channel. He has a book. He teaches here at Trinity. He works with Maven, traveling, doing evangelism all over the country. But he is also a bassist. In a, in a country rock band. And, and, and in a crossover band. Coming, like, yeah. like, like almost national, uh, you know, nationally recognized. It's, it's a Christian nationalist rock band because it's because he's a Christian in it. Yeah. And it's going to have national acclaim. Recognition. Exactly. <laughs> so y'all go check out Luke Mills because uh, it's really good and he's the bass player. He's one of yeah. the uh, radio yeah, so, renegades, yeah. which to me is yeah, the most Luke, awesome. Yeah, it's thing under Luke Mills. Yeah, it's a, yeah. You can find Luke Mills on Spotify and on iTunes and basically everything else. But yeah, I have the pleasure of being Luke's bass player. And uh, yeah, in fact, uh, we were just inducted into the Nebraska Country Music Hall of Fame nice. this weekend. So really, uh, yeah, that's a crazy. big deal. Yeah, kind we of. I mean, it's it's just know, Nebraska, it but yeah. yay for Nebraska right. Country Hall of Fame or Music Hall. Yeah. Of Fame? Is the Country Music Hall of Fame. So oh, immediately oh. trying to bring him back down to earth. Is that what well, it is? I, thought, I mean, is it like he yeah, reached the, the, the episode? The only other Nebraska band I've ever heard of is 311. So I was wondering if they were going to be in the same. But I don't know that many Nebraska bands. I know they're from Omaha, oh, right? 311. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the extent of my knowledge of Nebraska music. I, I don't practice Santeria. <laughs> I just want you all to know that. Right. Anyway. That's Sublime, not 311. Oh, that's Sublime? Yeah. Dang wow. It. Dang it. <laughs> 311. Genre. Yeah. Okay. Well, dang it. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. this has been fun. Go check out Tim's music, but also check out his content, his theological work, and, and his incredible book on Molinism. I hope that you will check out all of that, Tim. It's been great having you with us. And we'll all see you next time on Trinity radio.